Homes.com knows that when it comes to home shopping, it's never just about the house or condo. It's about the home. And what makes a home is more than just the house or property, it's the location and neighborhood. Homes.com offers in-depth neighborhood guides with detailed video overviews, comprehensive narratives, and unbiased information from a multitude of sources. You thought we go in-depth with player analysis on Fantasy Baseball today? You haven't seen anything yet. Each listing features comprehensive information about the neighborhood complete with a video guide. If you have kids, it's also schools, nearby parks, and transportation options. When looking at local schools, they offer test scores, state rankings, and student-to-teacher ratio. They even have an agent directory with the sales history of each agent. That's why Homes.com goes above and beyond to bring home shoppers the in-depth information they need to find the right home. So when it comes to finding a home, not just a house, this is everything you need to know, all in one place. Homes.com. We've done your homework. Welcome to the Fantasy Baseball Today podcast from CBS Sports. Got a fantasy question? Email fantasybaseball at cbsi.com. Get ready to win your league. Where fantasy Now here's Frank, Scott, Chris, and Adam. All right, welcome into our 2022 position previews and welcome to Fantasy Baseball today on Monday, February 7th. I am Frank Stanfield, joined by Scott White and Chris Towers, and we'll be breaking down the best position of all today. Catcher, that's right. Overall strategy at the position. We've got some ADP review, sleepers, breakouts, and busts, our favorites to draft, and much more. What is up, Scotty? What are your overall thoughts on the catcher position this year? Do you think that you need, need one of the consensus top six catchers this season? Salvador Perez, JT Romuto, Will Smith, Grandal, Dalton Varsho, Wilson Contreras. That is a consensus top six in our rankings and an ADP. No. No, you never need you never need a top catcher. However, I will say that this is the first year in I'm trying to remember when the last time was that I was eager putting putting a heavy emphasis on drafting the number one catcher like I am this year. It's been a long time. I'm trying to remember was it Joe Maurer? Was it like the heyday of Victor Martinez? I, I don't remember who it was, but it's that you know, we're talking a long time ago. All right. Well, Chris is here as well. Chris, what is your overall strategy in a one-catcher league versus a two-catcher league? For those who might not be aware, usually you start one catcher in a head-to-head league, whether it's head-to-head points or head-to-head categories, and you start two catchers in the traditional 5 by 5 roto format. Chris, how do those two different formats vary for you? I think I'm more likely to pay the premium for the good catchers in a one catcher league than I am a two catcher league because there are fewer lineup spots in general. I mean, this is specifically talking about head to head versus Roto. And this is something we talked about last week, but when there are fewer, fewer lineup spots in general, there's more of an onus on getting difference makers at at as many positions as possible. You're not going to be able to do it at every position, but you know, the, the difference between Salvador Perez and, um, I don't know. Caber Ruiz, who is what, number six in ADP? I believe eighth in ADP. Okay. Um, The difference between those two guys is much, much larger when it's only, when you've only got 
nine other lineup spots as opposed to 13 or 12, I guess. Um, so I'm more likely to pay premium in a one catcher league and a two catcher league. You know, we did a, a roto draft not long ago where I waited until the 19th round, I believe, and ended up with Mitch Garver and um, Joey Bart. So I'm perfectly happy to wait um, when it comes to two catcher leagues. All right. Uh, Scott, do you agree the same? Do you want a better catcher in a one catcher league versus a two catcher league? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, the last half decade or so, right? JT Rio Muto has been the consensus number one catcher. And I don't ever remember drafting him in a two catcher league, but there have been several times where I've taken him in one catcher league for exactly the reason Chris said, like you got to make every lineup spot count in a way you don't have to in a lineup is large that it allows so large that it allows for two catchers. Scott, have you thought about how the uh, NLDH is going to affect catchers this year? Specifically, you know, obviously, catchers in the National League that are usable offensively. Obviously, I mean, we saw back in 2020, the shortened season, Wilson Contreras saw 32% of his plate appearances at designated hitter JT Real Muto saw 18%. Travis Darno saw 15% at DH. Mm-hmm. So we could see more plate appearances for Rio Muto, Will Smith, Dalton Varsho. Obviously, he'll play outfield as well, but we'll see Contreras, Tyler Stevenson, Travis Darno. Have you factored that into your rankings and maybe even your strategy when it comes to the position? I mean, a little bit. Um, not with a lot of specifics. I know, I know that is a big reason why a lot of people are elevating Will Smith ahead of JT Real Muto. And I, I've heard of some people even ranking Will Smith number one at the position, which you know, I don't really see any justification to rank anybody but Salvador Perez personally. Uh, but you know, it seems like it seems like people are really counting on that. And and when they did have the DH spot last year, um, the Dodgers did often start Smith Smith there, but. Presumably, they're you know they're they're going to construct their roster a little differently. Depends kind of how much time they'll have to construct the rest of their roster. Of course, uh, yeah. I just I don't want to I don't want to count on you know I I don't want to count on it necessarily yeah. because we haven't we haven't really seen it put into practice yet. Will Smith started as many games at DH in 2021 as he did in 2020. Interesting. So it, it, at least based on how they used him in 2020, that was not a big priority for them. Now, that being said, you know, Scott, you say there's no reason to believe Will Smith should be number one. I agree. He shouldn't be number one. But, you know, if he played 100, if he got to 600 plate appearances, his 162 game average for the, his career is 611 plate appearances, 35 homers, 105 RBI, 91 runs, 262 average. That wouldn't be better than Salvador Perez was last year, but yeah, it's. But but you said awesome. if he gets to six hundred plate, yeah, that's it's asking a lot. Like there, there has not been catcher. many, very few American League catchers get to six hundred plate appearances. Right. Salvador Perez is kind of a unicorn in that regard. Yeah, even if Will Smith, I was looking at this earlier. Even if he gets to five hundred and fifty plate appearances, that pro- probably puts him on pace for. 30 home runs over the course of the season. So, I mean, you know, that would mean him doing something he hasn't done before last year, 130 games, 501 plate appearances for him. But with the DH, yeah, I mean, maybe he can see a 5 to 10% increase in, in playing time. I don't think that is outside the realm of possibility for uh, the gifted offensive catchers in the National League. Let's jump into ADP here, and we'll start with the consensus top six, as I mentioned. And we're using Fantasy Pros ADP, which takes a combination of different outlets right now and 
based on that ADP. Salvador Perez is a third-round pick with an ADP of 33 overall. He had a historic 2021 last year. He set the single-season home run record by a catcher-eligible player with 48 home runs. He led baseball with 121 RBI. His 665 plate appearances were most by a catcher in a single season since Victor Martinez had 672 back in 2009. Uh, Scott, I obviously, you've already referenced that you are in on drafting Salvador Perez, and mm-hmm. even though his ADP is in the third round, our most recent mock drafts, He's gone 44th and 45th overall, so maybe he even slips a little bit into that fourth round. I know a lot of people are going to bring up regression, Scott, and the fact that he's not going to do what he did again last year. That's perfectly fine, and I think, you know, responsibly, that's what we should expect, the fact that he is going yeah, to regress. I mean, and anytime somebody does something historic like that, he shouldn't count on history, you know, record-shattering performances being repeated. I, I think that stands to reason, but... He was a distant number one among catchers in 2020 as well. And, and we all were like, yeah, whatever, 60-game season. We know who Salvador Perez is. He's like a 240-hitting guy with pretty good power. And then he was, again, far and away the best player at the position. At, and, I'm, and when I say he was the best player at the position, I'm talking about like by a mile. There, there was no singular advantage at any position bigger than Salvador Perez's advantage at the catcher position. And, uh, you know, I, I, I would still, I would still expect him to be uh, a pretty significant number of one, even if you just give him two thirds of last year's home runs and RBI. Um, there hasn't been a catcher. I've said this on a number of podcasts, but I shouldn't catch a preview as well. There hasn't been a catcher to lead the majors in home runs and RBI since Johnny Bench. And, and Johnny Bench is the only other catcher before Salvador Perez last year to do that. Uh, so, I mean, this is uh, this is the kind of difference maker y- you hope to find at any position. And I, I'm not going to ignore it just because it happens to be at a position we, we normally think of as volatile. I don't know that I draft him in, at his ADP very often, 33rd, you said. That's, you know getting late in round three in a 12-team league, maybe. Uh, but I, I've said before, anytime he's available in round four, I don't care what else is going on with my team. I'm probably going to take Salvador Perez. Yeah, just how good was Salvador Perez last year? Scott, you referenced it a little bit. Ninth overall in Roto. The next closest catcher was Will Smith, who finished 102nd in that format. Salvador Perez had 504 fantasy points uh, based on CBS's point scoring system, Will Smith was the next closest with 383.5. So over a 100 well, point difference there between the two. And I'll, I'll add the gap between Will Smith at number two and Yasmani Grant or Salvador Perez at number one was larger than the gap between Will Smith at number two and Tyler Stevenson at number 12. Wow. Yes. Yeah. That is insane. Yeah. I mean, just, <laughs> it paints the picture of just how good Salvador Perez was last season. And even if you, you know, you mentioned Scott, two thirds. I did, you know, 75% of his production from last year still gives him 36 homers, 66 runs scored, 90 RBI. And if he hits 260 plus, I would put that number up against any other catcher stat line and say that it's most likely going to be the number one yeah. catcher this upcoming season. Yeah. And, and we should mention the playing time advantage too. I mean, he started, I think, 40 games at DH. Uh, so we know how the Royals are going to are going to handle their DH spot with Salvador Perez. They're going to they're going to stick him there basically anytime they don't want him catching and he's yeah, going to play. Yeah, I think he played like 30 games at DH last season. Yeah. 
And you can't count on most catchers playing even three quarters of the time. You know, maybe three quarters of the time is, yeah. is what you hope for from a catcher. So that, you know, that beyond just what he actually does, that playing time advantage is, is huge. That's going to give him, it's going to make it virtually impossible for him to finish out of the top five, even if he stinks it up. I would say this is probably the position, maybe third base. It's either third base or catcher are the only positions where I think it you would at least consider taking the top player versus the field to finish number one this year, which is given how much we know things vary from year to year and how unpredictable these things tend to be, that's saying an awful lot. You would you would take the field over the number one player everywhere. Except maybe catcher in third base. Scott, last point here on Salvador Perez. Uh, any concern over MJ Melendez, one of the top catcher prospects in the game, one of the top prospects for the Royals? It seems like he's coming soon. I, I don't know what that looks like. Does he DH? Does he play catcher? Does Salvador Perez DH? I don't know, but is there any concern for you when it comes to that? I don't think when it comes to Salvador Perez, no. I mean, if if he if he... If he stinks it up, I guess that's that's possible. That it, it's not just MJ Melendez, by the way. It's it's Nick Prado on the verge of breaking in. It's Vinny Pasquantino. They could all three be up this year. And between first base catcher and DH, uh, the Royals, you know, they might have a bit of a headache there. But I suspect Salvador Perez is not going to be like I mean, more likely. They'd lose playing time to each other than Salvador Perez losing playing time to any of them. Just, I think we've. There have been at least two different Cardinals prospects. I know Carson Kelly was one. I think there was another one where we were like, mm, it might be time for Yadier Molina to start losing playing time. Maybe they'll move on and just never happen. Obviously, that doesn't mean that the same thing is going to happen in Casey, but the Royals also seem to view Salvador Perez in the same light that the Cardinals view Yadier Molina. So I would be stunned if he lost yeah. significant like, like, like face notable of the franchise players. like heart of the yeah. franchise yeah, of like stuff. one of the best players in franchise history whether that's true or not they, that's how they view him all right let's yeah. move on to jt real muto the second catcher off the board going more than two rounds later than salvador perez we're not really used to this 57.7 is the adp his lowest draft cost since 2018 for jt real muto last year uh finished with a 263 batting average, 17 home runs, 13 steals. So still giving you modest power, but a good amount of speed uh, at this position. Again, out of position steals, it's it's very uh, valuable. Um, and, and that's often why we're looking at drafting JT Real Muto as often as we are. Not just in Roto, but for points leagues because he plays as much as he does. He, he uh, provides a lot of volume as well. Uh, Chris, there are some things that are adding up here. I mean, he's getting a little bit older. He's missed some mm-hmm. time with injury. The ground ball rate's starting to creep up there for JT Real Muto, but it's his lowest cost now. So can you see yourself maybe investing in the sixth round in a 12-team league in JT Real Muto? I could potentially see it, but it's pretty unlikely. Um, He's 31. He's a catcher. He's played a lot of games and a lot of innings. And there are some indicators that are moving in the wrong direction, especially in terms of his bad at ball profile, like you mentioned. Um, you know, just to take a holistic view, his ex-Woba was 329. That was his lowest since 2017 before he had really broken out. So 
I don't know. I mean, he could very easily bounce back to 2019 numbers when he had 25 homers, 92 runs, 83 RBI, and nine steals, and be a steal at this price. I mean, that would be a, a really, really valuable season. But if he's 17 and 13 with, what, 137 combined runs in RBI again, like he was last season, he's definitely not going to be worth this price. Yeah. Uh, last year he finished, I believe, it was outside the top 110 in, in Roto. Uh, yeah, 113th overall for JT Romeo. So, Scott, what do you think about him? The lowest cost that we've seen in a while now. The strikeout rate up there as well. So, strikeouts adding up, ground ball rate. Last mm-hmm. year, uh, he was, you remember, he fractured his thumb in spring training and still was able to start the season on time. So, you know, maybe it took him a little bit with that, but dealt with wrist, ankle, shoulder issues last year as well. What do you think about uh, JT Romuto in the sixth round? Yeah, I think between the small signs of decline we've seen the past couple years and the new ball, the fact he's not a guy who hits the ball especially hard, uh, I, I don't expect to see another season like we had in, like he had in 2019. <laughs> it seems like everybody had their career high in home runs in 2019, right? <laughs> he hit 25. Uh, it was one of only two 20-homer seasons he had. Mm-hmm. Salvador Perez hit basically three times as many home runs as as Real Muto last year. So um, I do have him second. I do have him ahead of Will Smith because I am still counting on a playing time advantage, but I don't expect to have any of Real Muto this year, really. I just, if I'm going to, if I'm going to pay up for a catcher, it's going to be Perez. All right, let's uh, let's jump into Will Smith. We've mentioned him a few times already here. The ADP is 67. I realize that I was saying the sixth round for Real Muto. It's not correct. Uh, my math was off. So he's going in the late fifth round yeah. as of now in 12-team leagues. Will Smith is going in the middle of the sixth round and entering the prime of his career. He's 27 years old. Uh, he was actually second in Roto last year behind Salvador Perez, and he has finished top three in each of his first three seasons in fantasy points per game as well. So he stands out regardless of format. The, the, the plate discipline has been fantastic for Will Smith and uh, has improved since when he was a rookie. It took a little bit of a step back compared to the short in 2020, but still overall lots of walks and a good amount of contact for Will Smith in one of the best lineups, you know, hitting in the middle of the Dodgers lineup as well here, uh, Scotty. So what do you think about uh, this cost? I mean, he's going about a round later than JT Romuto. A lot of people excited about Will Smith. Um, The question is, how much better can he actually get? Yeah, I mean, I I don't know that he can get that much better, but you just... You know, you just look at the OPS compared to other catchers. Um, you know, eight sixty was actually the lowest he's ever had. He's he's usually you know he's been he's been right in the the mid eight hundreds to around nine hundred. And so you know if you're if you're anticipating more consistent playing time, I understand why you're excited about him. But again, I'm just not ready to go there until I see it implemented. I mean, the Dodgers have you know we don't know what the final state of their roster is going to look like, obviously, but they're they're never wanting for bats. And so I, I have a hard time believing Will Smith is going to suddenly become this guy who plays, who starts 145, 150 games and, and uh, has that much of a chance to improve on his totals. You know, you'll be happy with him if you draft him, I think. Uh, but, yeah, I don't, I don't, I'm not counting on him taking a step forward. Chris, when I looked into Will Smith, what I noticed was that he was really consistent last year, an 831 OPS or better in five of six months. And 
I know that you are not into partial season statistics, so that's why I'll present this to you. Big second half, 266 batting average, 15 homers, a 936 OPS in 56 games uh, in the second half for Will Smith. He hit the ball harder, leaned into fly balls, 51.7% fly ball rate. So, look, if he could do something like that and maintain that, then we're talking about someone that can hit 30-plus home runs. It's just... We haven't seen him do it yet, so we're, we're project. We would be projecting him to do something that we haven't seen uh, yet. What do you think about his cost in the sixth round for Will Smith? It's fine. I think if you're going to pay up for one of the non-Salvador Perez catchers inside of the top 100, he's a better option than JT Realmuto. Um, and I, you have him ranked second at the position. Uh, yes, I believe so. Okay. Um, and yeah, it. I I point out top 100 specifically because there is a guy I think is worth paying up who's just outside of the top 100. Um, <laughs> but yeah, I mean, Will Smith, he's at the age where a step forward wouldn't be unexpected. I think the increase in cost and the excitement about him is probably pay- tied to the big second half, which I think is probably a mistake. Um, but that's not to say there aren't a lot of reasons to be excited about him. I think there are. And I think you just look at his entire major league career for reasons to believe in him. It's just, I don't necessarily think the big second half is indicative of anything more than a a hot streak. He's been the weird thing about him though, is that he's been kind of a different type of player every year and year is used loosely because he's, you know, I don't think he had 200 plate appearances in a season before last year. Um, he didn't. Yeah. But 2019, yeah. he was big pow. He was kind of an all or nothing power guy. 2020, he was this incredibly well-rounded player. 16% strikeout rate, 293 XBA. Last season, he found something in the middle. It was yeah, kind I mean, of right in the middle of everything in terms of where he was the first two seasons. So that's probably a decent indicator of what to expect. And And that's a good point, too, just that last year was basically the first full season we've seen from Will mm-hmm. Smith. Uh, it's it's easy to, particularly for players with little track record, to put too much emphasis on that 2020 season, treat it like a full season in that case. But obviously it wasn't. And we, we did see that contact rate especially. I, if memory serves, Will Smith's strikeout rate ballooned again in the playoffs of 2020 after being around 16% for the regular season. Um. So I remember I was a little hesitant to be fully on board with him last year, too, just because it seemed like we had so little information on him. But I feel comfortable now, you know, saying, like, I don't, I don't, I don't really see any bust potential here. If, 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 if the arrow is pointing any direction, it's up. I just, I, I just don't want to get ahead of myself with him. I don't think there's much reason to. Yeah, and I think he's useful regardless of format. Roto points leagues, but I mean, if you're talking about a points league where you want advantage in a one-catcher format, Will Smith is someone to target because of that fantastic plate discipline, over three fantasy points per game in each of his first three seasons. And the same could be said for our next catcher here, Yasmani Grandal, who has an ADP of 100.7, got off to an awful start last year in April. From May 1st on, he hit 268, 21 homers in 76 games, and he leaned all the way into this plate discipline, patient approach. I don't know if the White Sox were like, look, nobody else on this team can walk. We need you to walk, but that's what happened. for everybody. Career-high 23% walk rate. That is unheard of 
Uh, 21.9% strikeout rate, so more walks than strikeouts last year. It was crazy. Uh, And his home run to fly ball ratio was a career high and was actually backed up by StatCast. I mean, StatCast supports everything that Grandal did last year. So it's super weird. He's turning 33. uh, He turned 33 years old in November, so he's older, but like... He's also still really good and kind of getting better. I don't know. He's, he's kind of just a weird player. Chris, what, what, go ahead. Go ahead, Scott. We'll start with you. Well, under- you're kind of understating the weirdness here because on August 26th, he was batting 188. <laughs> Remember, he, he got off to... Brutal stuff. How many months was it? He, it was awful. He played through July 5th with a bad knee, had surgery, missed mm-hmm. about six weeks, six, seven weeks, came back on August 27th, Got four hits, two home runs that day. And so over his final 30 games, he had 337 with nine home runs. Uh, walked 27 times compared to 18 strike. Like it was clearly, it was like the best we've ever seen Yasmani Grandal. He played 30 of 33 games in that stretch as well. He was unbelievable. And it it redeemed his season stat line so that it was like a career season. But it was really just con- confined to that 30-game sample, basically. Although... It's worth saying, like, the batting average was awful. He hit 188 through uh, July twenty, July 5th before he went on the aisle. He was on a 36 homer, 98 RBI, 108 run pace. That's over 162 games. Obviously, catchers don't play that often. But he is, I believe, the only active catcher now that Buster Posey's retired besides Salvador Perez to have a 600 plate appearance season. Um, he did that in 2019. And, uh, yeah, I mean, the underlying numbers largely back up what he did last season. Um, I do think if there's a chance for someone to knock off Salvador Perez, I think Will Smith might have the best chance, but I think Yosemite Grandal's not that far off. Um, You just, you know you're probably not going to get a good batting average from him. That's always going to be the the downside. But, I mean, he could be a huge player playing time guy he could be a 30 homer guy um and the run production numbers could be really good in that lineup if he gets to you know 135 games which is not out of the question it's just weird like it's just like (laughs) 32 he was 32 last year it 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 it's reminiscent of salvador perez two years ago right coming off coming off surgery okay but we know who this guy is you know and and yasmani grant case an 825 ops guy who walk a lot, have pretty good power, uh, but not be this world beater that he was for those final 30 games. So I'm very skeptical of it. Yeah. And and the thing is, like, if I thought he was going for a discount, you know, I I, I took Salvador Perez in a number of leagues last year because I it seemed like people were basically giving him no hope of building off that breakout 2020 and I thought it was pretty unlikely but you know the cost didn't seem that bad um you know, Grandal going 100th overall you know if it was more like 120th I think I could get behind it but I, I, I that's a little I will just point out that 30 game sample size is only seven games fewer than uh, Salvador Perez's entire 2020 oh, I, season. I, I get it. Like, And Salvador and, Perez and was going cost, 78th last year for what it's worth. He was going 78th on yeah. average? Okay. I got him. I know I got him much later than that in some yeah. weeks. Look, I, I, don't, I don't think you should expect Yasmani Grandal to have the kind of power he did last season or to, you know, post a 940 OPS again, but... 
he's shown the ability to be a a significant difference making catcher, which I think is the the takeaway. I'm about it, man. I'm about Yasmani Grandal. I think the price is fine. It's like right in that sweet spot where you don't have to pay up for someone like Will Smith. He's going 33 picks later than Will Smith, and then he's going uh, a few spots ahead of the next names we'll talk about: Dalton Varsho and Will Contreras. But it's it's that sweet spot. I don't I don't think it's like an overpay, and he's good regardless of format too. I think he's even better in points leagues. 3.4 fantasy points per game last year for Grandal, but. Consistently, you know, 240 to 250, if you play in a roto league, he's going to give you power. He's going to score runs. He's going to give you RBI. So he's fine. Uh, I think he's perfectly fine. The next one up, Dalton Varsho, who is an interesting player to talk about. 109 is the ADP. He turns 26 years old in July. So right there, entering the prime of his career, a really unique player. 37 starts at catcher last year, 36 starts in the outfield. If you combine his 2021 majors and minors numbers, he gives you 20 homers, eight steals over 113 games. Uh, and that's part of his intrigue. The, the fact that he gives you power, he gives you speed. He should give you more playing time in the outfield. Uh, Scott, are you about it? Are you someone who actually buys in on Dalton Varsho, who's going just about nine picks later than Yasmani Grandal? You know, it's it's certainly a little more boomer bust than like Yosemite Grandal or Will Smith, where you know their their downside is only so low. Varsho's, you know, Varsho's downside is him getting sent back to the minors and being useless to you. But I think he's my choice. If anybody's going to unseat Salvador Perez, like I, I feel like Dal- Dalton Varsho's best case scenario could be that because. You know, he might he, he when when he's not catching, he's playing center field, right? Like he's he has that uh, that easy path to to every day at bats, and he's the only viable base dealer at the position. Now, he's legitimately fast, obviously playing center field, and uh, had some pretty good steals totals throughout his minor league career. And given the stage of development he's in, really just kicking off his major league career. I'm not so much looking at the full season stat line, the 246 batting average, the 755 OPS, because it was, you know, it was one of those tale of two seasons scenarios. In fact, if you combine like his 37 games from 2020 and then he played 38 to begin 2021, and during those combined 75 games, he hit 168. He was just utterly useless. But then from that point forward, the final 57 games of last year, he hit 294 with an 886 OPS, which for his minor league career, he hit 302 with an 899 OPS. It was very similar to the kind of hitter he was in the minors. And uh, I think I'm, I'm, I'm hopeful things just clicked for him. And this is the start of, of the breakthrough that everybody was the kind this is the start of him being the kind of player that people were hoping for when he first got called up in 2020, you know? So he's got a little of that post-type sleeper thing going on as well. Yeah. Yeah, I like uh if I think if if I don't get Salvador Perez, the next catcher I'm looking at taking is is Dalton Varsho if it's, you know, beyond like round 10. The I think one thing is he needs to play more than he was last season. Because yep. even from that, you know, that 57-game sample size thing, thing is what you, you said from yep. July 20th. Uh, he started 50 of 66 games, which isn't terrible. You know, that's right. a little more than three-fourths, I believe. But it's not, it's not enough to 
you know, overcome the playing time edge that, you know, uh, Yasmani Grandal might have, Salvador Perez obviously will have, JT Ramuto probably will have. So that's yeah. the one place that he does need to um, take yep. a step forward. It's Low 80% on, of games for a catcher is very good. Like that's still, just, it was a 570, 580 uh, plate appearance pace. And I was a little confused why they weren't playing him more considering uh, when he, like the the time it backs. You're not competing for anything. <laughs> this guy's playing well. He, he's going to be a big part of your future, uh, which is why I'm hopeful they'll play him more this year. But you're right. They, they, it needs to actually happen for him to live up to... Uh, he, well, I, I don't know that it necessarily needs to happen for him to live up to being the fifth catcher in fantasy, but for him to you know compete with the Will Smiths in the world, and yeah, he does need to play more. And I, I think he's the player you dream on at the position, right? Like that's... Yep. Will Smith, to a certain extent, is that, but he's already sort of fully formed and he doesn't need to get better. Dalton Varsh is the guy that you look at and say, well, man, if he if he figures it out, we could be talking about the next great fantasy catcher. I get the intrigue, uh, the power, the speed, playing the outfield. Theoretically, should give you a ton of playing time, but Scott, I think the way that you first described him, boom or bust, is a perfect way to look at him, and I fall more so on the bust side then the boom. So uh, at mm-hmm. this cost, I mean, the fact that he's going just 10 picks after someone like Yasmani Grandal, who's much more proven, I like totally different skill sets. I understand that. The batted yeah. ball data was not good for Grant, uh, for Dalton Varsho, even uh, from June 20th on when he returned and it basically got an opportunity to play, not every day, but but pretty consistent for the Diamondbacks. Batted ball data was bad during that time. He still has options left. They have a prospect coming in Alec Thomas who they could throw out there in the outfield. So I guess I'm looking more so at the glass half empty, uh, but I understand why people mm-hmm. are looking yeah, at the glass half Yeah, it ultimately empty. depends on what the price actually is. I, I get, you know, the ADP is probably a little higher than I want to play, but there comes this drop-off in talent basically across the board right around pick 120. I said, you know, basically after round 10, I might look to draft him. Right. And, it, you know, it's hard to it's hard to put too many specifics on it, but, like, th- there just comes a point in the draft where I don't really know what to do with this pick. Oh, look, Varsho's still there, and I take Varsho. All right. Yeah, I've done that. I've done that, too. And, you know, if you want to highlight one red flag that's really wor- worrying, worrisome for him, and it's – he had more infield fly balls than home runs last season. That's a really, mm-hmm. really bad sign because infield fly balls are obviously just about the worst thing you can do as a hitter. Those aren't going to turn into anything. So the the plate discipline's not great. The batted ball profile is not great. So he, he needs to get better as, as, as well. He's a boomer bus guy, but yeah, it's the upside's worth dreaming on, I think. I'm curious how much the infield fly balls dropped like once he got good. I'll, I'll look at that real quick. I So from June 20th on, again, that's like when he returned and he got an opportunity to play. He had 259 with an 802 OPS from that point forward. He had a 15% infield fly ball rate from June 20th on. Yeah, it actually went up during yeah, his... Yeah, in the second half, it was slightly season. higher than the first half. Fade Dalton Varsho. <laughs> I'm telling everyone, you heard it here <laughs> first. He's the industry darling right now. I'm out. I'm out on Dalton Varsho. I'm not doing it. Let's take a quick break when we return. I've got a few more players in ADP I want to talk about. Sleepers, breakouts, and busts, and then we'll talk about that crop of second catchers that you can get later on in your drafts as well. We'll do that here on Fantasy Baseball Today. 
Worn by players like Michael Harris to meet the demand of elite ball players, the New Balance Fuel Cell 4040 V7 is a versatile option. The 4040 V7 is built for the athlete who needs responsiveness and ability to cut and run at their full speed. The model features a fuel cell foam underfoot and a synthetic and mesh upper to provide breathability, comfort, and a snug fit as you round the bases. The fuel cell midsole features nitrogen-infused foam specifically designed to propel athletes forward. Learn more about the 4040 at newbalance.com. The all-new Hyundai 2024 Santa Fe is equipped with everything you need to break free from the dull work week and embark on an adventurous weekend with your family. The all-new Hyundai Santa Fe's features like available H-Track all-wheel drive, standard third-row seating, available dual wireless charging pads. Nothing beats a weekend away with the family in the great outdoors, whether it's camping, hiking, river rafting, or anything in between. With third-row seating, nobody is left out. The entire family can experience the thrill together. And nobody wants a dead phone. Available dual wireless charging pads make it so nobody gets stuck and we can check our fantasy baseball teams together. Learn more about the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe at HyundaiUSA.com. Call 562-314-4603 for complete details. All right, so there's one veteran catcher we haven't talked about yet, and it is Wilson Contreras with an ADP of 127.3. Kind of the forgotten catcher at this point. Has consistently finished inside the top nine uh, it's a weird number, arbitrary number, but that's where he's been. He's been inside the top nine for each of the past three seasons in both Roto and head-to-head points. Uh, last year, 237 batting average was a career low thanks to uh, some BABIP issues, a career-high strikeout rate as well. Uh, Chris, Wilson Contreras just strikes me as like the safe catcher. I don't think there's a lot of upside. I think we know who he is. He hits too many ground balls. It's fine. He's going to hit like 240 to 250 with 20 plus homers and like a handful of steals, which is fine at the catcher position. Yeah, he's played seven seasons and depending on how you break up his career, like he had three really, really good seasons in his first four where he had an OPS of at least 845. That's really good for a catcher. Yep. The last four years, which overlaps two of those years, he's had an OPS below 780 in three out of the four. Not bad, but much more along the lines of, yeah, he's a starting catcher you don't have to worry about than someone who's a real difference maker. 2019 being the one uh, obvious outlier where he had an 888 OPS in 105 games. And if he had played a full season, almost certainly at that pace would have been higher uh, than wherever he ended up finishing. But... Mm -hmm. Yeah, he definitely, at this point, feels like the boring safe guy that you just, if he's there at the right price and you don't love anyone else and you're just like, all right, Wilson Contreras, he's going to help me a little bit. He's not going to hurt me. And frankly, at catcher, a player who doesn't hurt you in, in Roto, that's a big deal. I mean, most catchers, literally most of the catchers out of the 24 that are going to start in a 12-team league, are going to hurt you more relative to the average player in lineups than they help you. And Wilson Contreras probably won't. Yeah, and this is the cutoff for me. If I play in a one-catcher league, I really want one of these top six guys. We'll talk a little bit about uh, Cabert Ruiz and Tyler Stevenson coming up. Ruiz is okay, but if I could get one of these top six catchers with Wilson Contreras being that cutoff, I really want that to happen. In a two-catcher league, I want one of these top six to be my first catcher if I can make that happen, so I'm about it. The one thing I'll point out, Scott, uh, with the DH hopefully coming to the National League, very small sample, but Contreras has 76 career plate appearances at designated hitter. 
283 batting average, 954 OPS. So maybe it's something that could actually help him. Eh. Eh. <laughs> eh. I mean, even if you go back and look at his good years that Chris was referring to, the, the advanced numbers didn't support what he was doing then. And I he remember, was running really high home run to fly ball rates, especially. Yeah, I think he yeah, was like yeah. 20% plus in three of the first yeah. four years. Yep. So no, I think I think who he was last year is really who he is, and and that's a perfectly fine starter. But you, I wouldn't be counting on much more. All right, let's dive into Tyler Stevenson versus Caber Ruiz. They are going right next to each other right now in terms of ADP. It is Caber uh, Ruiz is going at pick one sixty nine point seven. Tyler Stevenson one sixty seven point three. So going two picks apart uh, right now. Tyler Stevenson. Uh, both of these guys, former you know top-ish prospects. I guess Caber Ruiz technically still is a prospect. Ty, uh, Ty, Tyler Stevenson is going to be the starter for the Cincinnati Reds. They traded Tucker Barnhart. Uh, he is the guy. And last year, he was solid. 286 batting average, 10 homers, 45 RBI, uh, really strong plate discipline. And then Caber Ruiz is still pretty young, 23 years old, has had some pretty big seasons in the minor leagues as well. Lots of contact, strong batting average. Trying to figure out where the power is at because he hit for a lot of power in the minors last year, but not necessarily at any other level. So, Scott, what do you think about these two catchers in particular? Caber Ruiz versus Tyler Stevenson. And do you actually want to draft either of these guys as your first catcher? I mean, if the price is right, basically, though, once we get past Dalton Varsho, I'll just take whatever comes to me a catcher. I'm not really looking to pay up for anybody. Um, you know, I have my preferences. I'm not saying necessarily I'm waiting until the very last pick to take a catcher. I might wait till second to last, third to last. You know, it just depends who's there, what else what else I'm looking at. But uh, it's not a high priority for me at all. That said, I definitely prefer Ruiz to Stevenson. Definitely. I think Ruiz's floor is very high. The fact that he did break through with 21 homers in the minors last year, and that was only in about a little over 300 plate appearances Terrific home run pace in the minors. Um, okay, that that opens my mind to potentially more upside than I thought he had. But I, I'm not even sure he needs to be this big power guy because his. You say he makes a lot of contact. He he's freakishly good at making contact. Like he will contend for the lowest strikeout rate in all of baseball. Um, you know, between his two stops, he played a little bit for the Dodgers, mostly with the Nationals. Nine point four percent strikeout rate. And, you know, for most of his minor league career, he was right around there, like 10% strikeout guy. Uh, and, you know, we think we're talking about how 20% is good for Will Smith, you know, like it, if you play a lot, I'm thinking a points league scenario, especially if you play a lot and you strike out that infrequently as a catcher, automatic top 10, like that, that was, that was Yadier Molina's whole career, basically. And, and then I mean, Molina Christian had, Vasquez. And then, yeah, I mean, I, I, I like hope the, the the four years before 2021, he was really bad last year, but you know he was playing pretty regularly and hitting two seventy. I don't think he was making quite that level of contact. Not quite as much. I, I think Ruiz can be better than Vasquez. Um, and and you know Molina had those couple years where he hit twenty plus homers. If if Ruiz becomes a guy who can deliver twenty plus homers like he did in the minors last year, then. I mean, he might be a top three type catcher. He might he, he might have a ceiling more like JT Real Muto, you know. Uh, so yeah, I'm I'm definitely if you know if the draft's winding down in a one catcher league and and Ruiz is still there, uh, that's going to be a pick I'm 
sort of excited to make. Yeah, it wouldn't surprise me one bit if we're talking about Caber Ruiz going in a similar range to where Will Smith is going now. I don't think that the power will get there necessarily, but as much contact as he makes, guy. I mean, you mentioned nine strikeouts in 29 games last year in the majors and uh, a minor league track record to, to back that up. Yeah, I, I think he's going to hit for a good batting average, and even if it's only you know 15 home runs, I, I think that you know that'll be enough for him to finish as a a top 10 catcher, maybe even push towards the top five. Chris, what do you think about these two, Tyler Stevenson versus Cabert Ruiz, and do you like either of them? They're going mm, around that 14, 15 round turn in a 12 team league. I'm much more likely to just wait than take either one of them. Um, I probably like Ruiz a little better, but yeah, I. I don't see either being like a special player. I don't think that's all that likely. I think it's more likely for Ruiz because he does have that one standout hit tool. Um, Taylor Stevenson, I I don't really see much to be interested in at all. I mean, I guess it's catcher, so if you're competent. <laughs> but he strikes me as the kind of guy who the most likely outcome is he's not helping your team all that much. Relative to other catchers, he might be fine, but like, I think he's probably, I don't know, a 12 to 14 homer guy who hits 260. And those are a dime a dozen at catcher. His minor league track record, not all that impressive, although his, he was pretty young throughout his minor league career, so he has that going for him. Um, so I don't want to write off the possibility of improvement, but I, I don't really see it with Tyler Stevenson. I don't, I don't think there's all that much special about him. Yeah, I think a lot of people are projecting well, why he's going seventh among catchers on average is, is people are just looking at last season's slash line. He had 286, OPS yeah. near 800, and they're projecting that out with full-time at-bats now that Tucker Barnhart is with the Tigers. But, I mean, 34% uh, – average exit velocity was 34th percentile for Tyler yeah. Stevenson. His his expected batting average was 257. His expected slug was only 391. He just doesn't impact the ball that hard. Mm-hmm. And, you know, there, there have been guys who consistently outperform that. Wilson um, But I think over the small sample we've seen from Tyler Stevenson, I'm not ready to say he's going to be one of those guys, especially since, I mean, we don't have a long history of it with the ball playing the way it does now either. So, yeah, I mean, it... There, If he was like the number 10 catcher, maybe I could hype him as a breakout. But as the number seven going as early as he is, I, I just think I see nothing but downside. Yeah, don't fall for the appearance. Six foot four, 225 pounds. This is a big guy that we're talking about, but the in game power uh, just hasn't been there for you know his brief major league career and his entire minor league career. He hasn't really hit for much in game power. So uh, keep that in mind. He hit way too many ground balls last year, too. Near 50% ground ball rate for Tyler Stevenson. Uh, before we get to sleepers, breakouts, and busts at the position, I want to thank everybody for watching us live here on YouTube right now. Make sure to like this video if you haven't already, and subscribe to the channel, youtube.com slash fantasy baseball today. Tap that notification bell so you know every time we go live, which is usually around 10 p.m. Eastern time on weeknights, unless it's a mock draft live stream that we're doing. We typically do those around 8 p.m. Eastern time, so make sure to subscribe to the channel. Let's start with uh, sleepers here, Scotty, and let's try to move through these kind of quickly so we can get to a little bit more ADP. Who you got? Okay, my sleeper at catcher is, well, it seems like he's a forgotten man, Mitch Garver, uh, who is going off the board 
let's see here. Uh, 231st on average. And this is a guy who last year had a higher OPS than even Salvador Perez. It was, uh, it was right in between. Uh, Yasmani Grandal actually had the highest OPS, right? And right behind him was Mitch Garvinder at 875. Um, now, the season was interrupted a couple times by injury, so the sample wasn't what you like it to see. But remember, in 2019, also, he was a 991 OPS. He was, he was far and away the best catcher in fantasy on a per-game basis. He looked like the next huge thing coming at the position. And in between was a 2020 season where he's also injured a lot. I think he struck out at like a 40% rate and everybody kind of was like, okay, that 2019 season, clearly nothing to see here. So, you know, in between the injuries last year, it seemed like Garver uh, showed he wasn't just a one-hit wonder. And, you know, that that kind of upside at this position, you, you, there were playing time concerns, I get it. There are health concerns, I get it. But... Like there are so few catchers capable of delivering those that kind of power production, uh, combined with those kinds of on base skills, that if things break right for him, if he's able to play even two thirds of the time, which he should, frankly, because I mean the Twins, their lineup isn't what it was a couple years ago, you know, then he could deliver big things, and the cost is virtually nothing. So, Mitch Garver, you know, if you want upside for a next to nothing price, I think he's he clearly stands out as the guy. Yeah, the ADP for Mitch Garver, 238.3, so you can get him very late in your drafts. I like him regardless of format. Roto, uh, um, head-to-head points, he averaged 2.5 fantasy points per game last season. That was tied for seventh at the position. He just has to stay on the field. That's the biggest issue for Mitch Garver the past couple of years, but puts the ball in the air uh, and really hits the ball hard. A 17% barrel rate, second at the position to only Mike Zanino. That was better than Salvador Perez as well. Chris, who do you have as a sleeper here at the catcher position? Yeah, just uh, just a spoiler alert. Mitch Garver is my breakout at the position, so I'm fine with it. Uh, anytime <laughs> the anytime the minimum, the the worst thing you can say about a player is he just has to stay healthy. You know, I'm gonna like them. Um, yeah, fair enough. Joey Bart is my sleeper at catcher. He is the Giants' top prospect. Who we had been really waiting until waiting for him since 2019. He got a a chance in 2020 and really flopped. Uh, struck out like 35% of the time. He was really bad. Barely got an opportunity last year in the majors, but we're still talking about a guy who's actually slightly younger than Tyler Stevenson. Uh, he's 25. Feels like he's been around for a while. Um, and he's a career 287 hitter with eight and 860 OPS in the minors. Um, in the high minors, he has 14 home runs in 89 games. He's hit over 300 in those games. Plate discipline or really strikeout rate has been an issue for him in the upper minors. That obviously derailed him in 2020. Maybe it'll be an issue for him moving forward. But if I'm going to take a late round bet on a young catcher, I think Joey Bart is exactly the kind of guy I want to do that with because he's still a top 75 consensus prospect. And he's been as high as a top 30 consensus prospect. So I love betting on him. There's a potential for a 270 average with 20 homers from Joey Barton. The Giants seem to have earned the benefit of the doubt when it comes to getting the most out of players lately. I think what you're hearing here with Chris's pick and my pick, and this is kind of just overall catcher strategy, is you you get to a point in the catcher rankings and basically everybody... You're looking at a Jan Gomes type season. You know, 240 batting average, 15 homers. That's just like... 
the default catcher season. That's what you're mm-hmm. seeing for that. That's what I basically see for Tyler Stevenson. So it's kind of weird to me that he's being elevated. Uh, what you want to find are the few catchers in that giant clump of Jan Gomes seasons who could potentially do something more. And I think Mitch Garver mm-hmm. clearly fits the bill. Joey Bart, just because of, you know, his pedigree and some of what he's done in the minors fits the bill too. All right, so maybe my sleeper is more of like a Jan Gomes type. <laughs> I don't know. I'll let you guys decide on that. And it is Elias Diaz with the Colorado Rockies. Last year, I know there was some hype around Dom Nunez potentially being the starter for the Rockies. Uh, he basically fell flat on his face. But Elias Diaz, he was good. 246 batting average, 18 home runs, kind of Jan's Gomes, uh, Gomes-esque, but 774 OPS, strong contact rate, 16% um, strikeout rate last year for Diaz, puts the ball in play, going to be the starter in Coors Field. And, I mean, for what it's worth, he got better as the season went on. So June 1st on, 283 batting average, 17 homers, and 897 OPS for the final four months of the season. I wouldn't expect something like that from Diaz, but as much contact as he makes, playing in Coors Field... I think there's some power there. I wouldn't rule out the possibility of like a 260, 270 batting average, maybe like 18 to 20 home run season for Diaz. And if he does that, he's probably a top 10 catcher. That's like the trifecta of like, if I'm going to be the last person to draft a catcher in this one catcher league, those are the three I'm looking at. Basically Garver, uh, Diaz and Bart. And there's one more, particularly in a roto league in particular, if you're talking two catcher context, uh, I think he's the riskiest of the bunch, but just the kind of power production he provided last year. Uh, blanking on the name, Eric Haas, Eric Haas of the Tigers, um, who is one of those. He's either going to strike out or homer guys, and there's a good chance he strikes out too much to to keep the job. But you know, he might he might be he might be somebody who hits 25 homers at the position, even with just a part time role. All right. Break. I suppose before we move on, we should probably mention Adley Rushman, just because I don't know if he's going to get mentioned uh, in any of the other categories. Not really a sleeper where he's going, but he's the top catcher prospect in baseball. One of the top, arguably the top pl- prospect in baseball. He is for Baseball America. Hit 285 with an 899 OPS in Double AA, A, Triple A last season, and basically his first real taste of professional baseball uh, was the was he the number one pick in the 2019 draft. Yes. Yes, and yes. it's his birthday. Happy birthday to 24-year-old Adley <laughs> Rushman today. I, I know Frank has that in the notes as well. Um, but, you know, since we're kind of running up against it, I wanted to make sure we mention, if you're talking about upside and you're talking about guys who could potentially be a difference maker, if he does get the call up early, mm-hmm. it's real hard to find a, a flaw in what he did last season. Uh, strikeout rate below 20% in the high minors. He was awesome. Yeah, the plate discipline in particular was just insane for him. 79 walks to 90 strikeouts over 123 games in the minors. It's just a matter of when does he get to the majors, Scott. Um, mm-hmm. and, and you have to ask yourself that because the ADP for Rutschman is he's the ninth catcher off the board. The yeah. price isn't prohibitive relative to the position, 175.3, but he's still being right. drafted as a top 10 catcher. So if you're, yeah. I mean, what format do you draft him in? A one-catcher league? And then just take like a, a Elias Diaz later on and start him until Rutschman comes up. Like, how do you go about it? I'm very surprised he's the ninth catcher going off the board because, I mean, is anybody counting on him? Is anybody counting on him being on the roster opening day? I, I guess it's possible, but this is the Orioles. Why? Why would they do that unless there's some, 
you know, in the the new agreement, there's some major change in the way service time is 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 handled. Which it seems like there will be. Well, we'll at see. least some kind but, of change. But it's really hard to roster a second catcher, especially early in mm-hmm. the year when those roster spots are so precious. Devoting a bench spot to a catcher who, you know, even if Adley Rushman does come up and is great, it's just, you know, how much is he going to play? You wonder about what kind of real impact he'll have. Uh, I, I just don't know from a roster construction standpoint that it makes sense. I, I could see drafting him as your number two catcher in a two-catcher league, but but basically you have to be willing to draft him anywhere where you're willing to take a zero at catcher sometimes because the roster, the way, the way you manage your roster is just going to require it. Either that or you're going to let some stuff go on the waiver wire that you otherwise would capitalize on. You know, the, the so good I, news I almost is... picked him as my bust, actually, just because of how where he's going. You know, the good news is there has never been a highly rated collegiate catcher drafted by the Baltimore Orioles early in the first round. <laughs> don't do that. He places discipline who disappointed us. I, I don't I can't tell you how many times I've accidentally called Adley Rushman Matt Weeders. <laughs> oh, which is geez. not a good omen. <laughs> like, that's just where my mind. Oh, big Orioles catcher prospect, Matt Weeders. Oh, man. No, don't I mean, do the that. The profiles are like strikingly similar. <laughs> oh, man. Don't don't put that evil on poor Adley Rushman. Uh, the projection systems all on Fangraphs have. Rutschman for either 102 or 103 games. So I set the over-under at 102.5. Chris, you would take the blank. Uh, 102.5 is a really good number because if they keep the service time thing, he probably wouldn't get up called up until May or June. Yeah. I would pro- probably take the over just because I'm betting there's going to be some kind of significant change that incentivizes teams to call their top prospects up earlier. All right, Scott, what do you think? 102.5. I'll take the under. I'll yep. take the under, and, and partly because he's a catcher. Yeah. And they tend to sit a lot. All right, uh, I'm with you. I, I would take uh, the under there as well when it comes to Adley Rutschman. For breakouts, Chris mentioned he has Mitch Garver. Uh, Scott, you have Dalton Varsho. We spoke about all these players already. Cabert Ruiz, I didn't really add much on him myself, but I, I just love the fact that he makes as much contact as he does. And if he taps into that power potential he showed in the minors last year, then we're talking about someone who's pushing 20 home runs with like a 270-plus batting average, and as a catcher, that would constitute a breakout. So Cabert Ruiz for me, uh, and then Buss. Scott, Chris, you guys have Tyler Stevenson. I talked about Dalton Varsho. Um, anything else that you guys wanted to add uh, to Tyler Stevenson before we quickly run through some more ADP? I just don't think the upside is worth the risk. That, that's what it comes down to. Is I, just, I don't think the best-case scenario, even if he did what he did last season, I just... Like who? Kind of like who cares? You know, like yeah. It. I think he'll be a fine starter in fantasy, yeah. but like, is he going to be better than Elias Diaz? I don't know. I think he. There's. I think there's a better chance Diaz outperforms him. Frankly, it's a, it's a it's a bet on what was likely an unsustainable batting average last season. Honestly, yeah, yeah I think it is. And Tyler Stevenson's ADP again is one sixty seven point three. Elias Diaz is 276.7, so quite a difference uh, in draft cost between those two. This is the first position preview we're doing of the offseason, so uh, bear with us. You know, we're going to run a little bit long here. Uh, we'll get that it down. Position previews worry. always run long. <laughs> we've, we've, got a, we've got a lot of position previews to, to perfect this art over the next couple of weeks. Uh, ADP review, third round of a 12-team league. We mentioned Salvador Perez going at pick 33. In the fifth round, J.C. Real Muto, 57.7. 
Sixth round, Will Smith at pick 67. Then you see a 30-pick drop, so a teardrop here. And then in the ninth round, Yasmani Grandal at pick 100.7. At the 9-10 turn, you see Dalton Varsho. In the 11th round, Wilson Contreras at 127.3. Another teardrop. 40 picks or so later, round 14, 15 turn. That's where you see Tyler Stevenson, 167.3, and Kabert Ruiz, 169.3. One round later, Adley Rutschman, 175.3 is the ADP. We just spoke about him. And then after Adley Rutschman, we see a 45 pick drop. So another huge gap. The 10th catcher off the board, Gary Sanchez. It took us an hour to get to Gary Sanchez, but I guess that tells you everything you need to know about Gary Sanchez at this point in time. Uh, the ADP is 220. He's going off the board uh, in the 19th round. Chris, um, still, I, like he still finished as a top 12 catcher in both formats last year, but he did so with a 204 batting average and 23 home runs. So, I mean, you just you know who he is. He's going to completely tank your batting average, but he'll give you power. That's that's Gary Sanchez. Yeah, I mean, he might be like the new Mike Zanino where you're hoping for like that outlier home run season. And Gary, he's not even that young anymore. He's 29. God, mm-hmm. can't he's, believe he's that yeah. old. He's frustrating. He still crushes the ball. He's so frustrating, though. Like, I'm, I had him last year in fantasy. He had an okay May, 776 OPS. He had an awesome June, 1035 OPS. 639 OPS or less in each of the other four months. That yeah. that's a, a borderline unusable catcher for fantasy. Uh, even a yeah. second catcher, that's really really bad. Six thirty nine OPS. Yeah, that is awful. He just he lost his job at, too much at least once, right? And I keep expecting the Yankees to non tender him, and they keep not. Which same maybe that says something. <laughs> but <laughs> no, it's funny. Chris said he's become like another Mike Zunino. I was I was gonna say for when we talked about Zunino that he's become like a better version of Gary Sanchez. That's exactly right. Like. You're right yeah. about that. Like Mike Zanino last year is who we wanted Gary Sanchez to be. I mean, as bad as the batting average was, 33 home runs at the position, that is a standout. And that's exactly what it Mike Zanino did last worth year. worth pointing out that in 2019, he did hit, it was only 232, but that's a lot better than 204 <laughs> with 34 homers in 106 games. So I know, know but that's, that's a long time ago. It is, but it's not that many games ago. Since the start of 2018... Gary Sanchez is betting 201. Yeah, no, it's, yeah. <laughs> He's had three really, really bad seasons in there. It's it's really just... He's bad. You're hanging on to 2019 <laughs> and 2017 as the hopes. Um, no, the thing is, it's bad, but it's also fine. Sure, If that yeah. makes sense, I right? Mean, like, yeah. if you want to wait till the last round in a one-catcher league, Gary Sanchez is fine. Yeah. Like, he's going to out-homer most catchers, probably. Yeah. Again, but, like, as bad as he was... 11th in Roto at the position, 2.3 fantasy points per game last year, tied for 11. Ton. So that's that's Gary Sanchez. Uh, let's yep. move on here. We have five catchers going between rounds 20 and 22, so I'm going to lump these guys together. You guys can quickly run through each or just give me your favorite among this group. Christian Vasquez at ADP 234. Mitch Garver, who we spoke about, 238 is the ADP. Travis Darno at pick 242. Mike Zanino at pick 248. Sean Murphy at pick 256. Scott, we've done a few drafts together, and I feel like you wind up with Mike Zanino. I don't know. In at least one of them, maybe two drafts that we've done. Where do I have him ranked? I have him ranked a lot higher than this. I have him eighth. I have him just behind Bear Ruiz. I have him ahead of Tyler Stevenson, actually. Um, And I have Gary Sanchez ninth. So I kind of coupled those two together. Like... 
No, nobody hit a home run more frequently last year than Mike Zunino at, at any position. He was the most frequent home run hitter. He hits the ball extremely hard. He doesn't hit it enough. <laughs> and he, I, I'd like to see him play more than two-thirds of the time. But getting a nice chunk of home runs from a catcher spot doesn't set like... My expectations for the position are so low that that seems like, oh, well, whatever, I'll take that. You know, I, I don't know that he's going to hit 33 again, but if he hits 26, you know, that's going to be, that's going to make him one of the top three or four home run hittingest catchers. <laughs> you know, 26 would be the second most of his career. Yeah. Yeah. Mike Zanino, I, I look, think he hit 33 homers last year. It was second to only Salvador Perez at the position. 860, 860 OPS tied for third with Will Smith. So he he did stuff last year. He did some stuff, but... I mean, no, he literally just hit home runs. Like, let, let's be honest. Yeah. He, he didn't do stuff. He's, the, he hit 33 home runs. That is all homers. Mike Zunino did. He scares he the had, crap out of me. That's what... I, honestly, Chris, he just... He had he 39 non-home run hits. Oh, jeez. He had... That's bad. <laughs> 29 non-home run RBI. That's not including like there were probably it's probably higher lower because there were presumably runners on base for some of those, mm-hmm. but thirty three of his sixty two RBI and thirty three of his sixty four runs were just him hitting a home run and driving himself in and crossing the plate. If he doesn't hit, if he hits twenty five home runs next season, I mean you're probably looking at forty five runs in RBI and a sub two hundred batting average, which. I, I, I mean, it's what he did do, the previous three much, seasons, you know, catch it like, right. No, no, no. But like we should contextualize because okay. the previous three seasons for Mike Zunino, he hit 182 yeah, he with was a bad. 615 OPS and his per 162 game pace was 23 home runs. He hit 33 home runs in 231 games in the previous three seasons combined before last season. And, and it's probably, I want zero part of Mike Zunino. And it's probably one of those situations where if, he gets off to a lousy start. Okay, I just drop him and pick up Jan Gomes or whatever, you know. <laughs> but like, if he hits nine home runs in April, okay, good yeah. for me. Yeah, you know, he hits nine home runs in April. Yeah, I love that. Great. I love that Jan Gomes became the focal point of this podcast. <laughs> the <laughs> thing is, it doesn't even work anymore because now he's backing up Wilson Contreras. But you, you know, you know, you know what Jan Gomes has been. That's he's right. Kind of the platonic ideal of the 54 <laughs> RBI, 20 home run catcher. Uh, Chris, I'm with you, man. Mike Zanino, I, I have him ranked uh, quite a bit lower than Scott does. I have him down at 13th. He's part of that group. It's like Zanino, Gary Sanchez, Sean Murphy. They're all kind of going to do the same thing. But I expect Zanino, I guess to be the best at doing that one thing, which is hitting home he'll runs. Be, he'll so. either be the best or the worst. He, he was on the good side of variance last year. That, that's basically the, the, the biggest point to make about him. I'll quickly run through each of these. Christian Vasquez seems like he was hurt by the uh, the ball last year. Um, mm-hmm. His power came way, way, way down. If you do play in Roto, however, as a second catcher, he has 27 steals since the start of 2017. That's second to only JT Real Muto. So he does, it, he does contribute something uh, there. Travis Darno. I dove into the numbers. I thought that I was going to like Travis Darno a little bit more. Not not really excited about it. I, like he's he's always hurt. The batted ball data was awful last year. The uh, ground ball rate spiked, and um, yeah, like it seems like the short in twenty twenty was a standout outlier season for Travis Darno. He's fine as a second catcher, but I don't know. If, I, I, I mean, was expecting if he to does see what more. he did in twenty nineteen. He's going to be a pretty good value. Uh, yeah, I mean he's going to pick uh, two forty two. So 
you can get him as your your second catcher um, pretty comfortably. Sean Murphy was the other one I wanted to mention. I, like he, again, he's fine. 216, 17 home runs. Uh, based on StatCast, he actually underperformed his numbers. He had a 240 XBA, so I would expect the bat- batting average to bounce back quite a bit here for one Sean Murphy. Still not going to be good, though, in that department. The next group of five catchers are going between rounds 22 and 24. Eric Haas at pick 263. Omar Narvaez, 274. Alejandro Kirk, 276. Elias Diaz, 276. And then Joey Bart, 288. So a few of our sleepers here. Elias Diaz for me. Uh, Joey Bart for Chris down in this range. Chris, is there anyone else um, outside of those two? Haas, Narvaez, Kirk, maybe that you're interested in this in this tier, in this group? I think Narvaez is okay. I think, you know, Kirk, it's mostly a question of playing time. But Trade him. Yeah. Trade him. The Blue Jays, very have, like, the very Blue Jays have just been, like, churning out these catcher prospects who look great in the minors. Yep. Um, I can't remember the guy, the, the top Gabriel, catcher prospect now. Gabriel Moreno. Gabriel could, Moreno. Could be up at him. some point this year. Yeah. And before him, it was Danny Jansen who had amazing minor league numbers. Mm-hmm. And so it's it's kind of just where does he where does Alejandro Kirk fit? You Kirk know? crushes the ball and he strikes mm-hmm. out, you know, his strikeout rates about like Gabriel Ruiz's actually. Yep. So like that was find that a was place what was for this so, guy to play. I don't care if it's actually catcher. Yeah. Uh yeah, the only reason he's going this low is because of the questions of the playing time. Per- personally, I'd take him ahead of Weeders because at least he's going to have a job to begin the year. <laughs> Rutschman. <laughs> you just called him Weeders, Scott. <laughs> I just did it. I just did it, didn't I? Ahead of Rushman, yes. All right. It took us 70 minutes, but you finally got there, Scott. <laughs> we call it Adley Rushman, Matt Weeders. Uh, Omar Narvaez, uh, again, he's fine. Like, doesn't hurt you. 266, 11 home runs. He did tank in the second half. They brought in Pedro Severino. Seems like those guys are... are Pretty clearly going to be a platoon uh, mm-hmm. tandem, uh, but yeah, uh, Narvaez. I've already picked him up in a few two catcher leagues as my second catcher. He's fine. Picks three hundred and beyond: Yadier Molina, Carson Kelly, Max Stassi, Danny Jansen, and James McCann. Scott, anyone here? If you're waiting real late in your drafts as a second catcher, Carson Kelly's pretty bad against righties, so maybe he loses at bats to Varsha. But his overall numbers always look strong. Yadier Molina. Is- Still an everyday catcher. I have no no qualms making him my number two catcher in a two catcher league. I mean, these are these are the kinds of guys that you can drop Zunino for, you know? Yeah. Later on in the year when when it's not going the way you like or or whoever else. Mm-hmm. Yadier Molina last year. It's it's you know it's kind of gross, but two fifty two batting average, eleven homers, sixty six RBI, three steals. It's fine. I mean, again, like he's kind of like uh, he's kind of like Omar Narvaez, and that he doesn't hurt you. And he doesn't really help and he, you, and he but plays he's, a lot. he's fine. Yeah, yeah, ideas. Uh, mixed uh, Max Stassi, big power, can stay healthy, but uh, I do like him if you are waiting this late as well. James McCann, someone we were you know we had ranked as a top twelve catcher last year. Mm-hmm. He tanked. He was not good, but he should still be the starter and play most of the time for the Mets. So I think I there is some Nola. Nola is being overlooked. Yeah, Austin Nola's going even beyond this group here. The problem is, Chris, that the Padres have three catchers on what is expected to be their active roster. Nola, mm-hmm. uh, Victor Caratini, and Jorge Alfaro, who they traded for with the the Marlins. I mean, he could play a little outfield as and, well. but And they have a big catcher prospect who's basically mm-hmm. ready, Luis Cap- Capusano. Yeah. 
So that I mean that's the problem there. Like I think Nola could be fine, but it's just like what is what does the playing time look like? Yeah. Yeah. So there's some question marks there. Some other starters that um may intrigue you in in deeper leagues. Uh, Jacob Stallings is now starting with the Miami Marlins. Uh, Tucker Barnhart should get some playing time with the Tigers in a tandem with Eric Haas. Uh, Luis Torrens gets some playing time with the Mariners. He was solid last year for for a decent amount of time as well. Scott, three prospects I want to quickly mention before we wrap up here. MJ Melendez, who we talked about a little bit with the Royals, 288 batting average last year, 41 home runs in the minors. Gabriel Moreno with the Toronto Blue Jays, 367 batting average, eight home runs over 37 games. And then the aforementioned Luis Campusano. Can you see any of these guys making an impact this year in fantasy? Oh, yeah. They, they all could. I mean, it, it just depends if they get the opportunity, but they're all they're all on the verge of being major league ready. We've already seen Camposano in the majors the past two years. Uh, I want to mention this for Melendez. 41 home runs last year led the minors, so a catcher led both the majors <laughs> and minors in home runs, and they're they're both in the Royals organization. That's, he did it in 123 games. That's pretty awesome, yeah. too. Yeah. I, I saw a video of him... So like he was part of some kind of home run derby, and this guy was tanking home runs like seriously unlimited power. So I, I'm very interested to see what the Royals do here because they they've got a good problem on their hands. They've got Salvi, they've got Melendez, they got Vinny Pasquantino, they have Nick Prado, they have Bobby Witt, they have all these young players coming up together, and uh, they got to figure out how to make it work. But again, good problem to have for the Kansas City Royals. We're gonna wrap there. Sorry for going so long, but we'll be better with these position previews. Don't ever apologize. I know, right? It's like, hey, we're just giving you more Position previews. Right? Let's do it. For Scott and Chris, I am Frank. Thank you all for listening and watching Fantasy Baseball today. We'll be back again tomorrow with First Base. Bye-bye. You can now relive the best moments of the UEFA Champions League 24-7. The UEFA Champions League channel is a new 24-hour streaming channel serving non-stop goals, highlights, and full match replays from the world's most prestigious club competition. Reminisce on your favorite moments, legendary players, and brilliant goals with the UEFA Champions League channel streaming around the clock on Pluto TV and the CBS Sports app.